You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com and I will answer as many as I can. If you missed our last segment, so Dan Lukwitz has now joined us and he claims that the five-minute break in between was our cup of coffee. That, of course, is not going to be accepted. Dan, again, how are you now that you're here at the beginning? Yeah, thank God. I'm doing great. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It is so much fun. You know, you get somebody into studio with corona. With, uh, But did you have corona, by the way? Not that I know of. No loss of smell or taste? No loss of smell or taste. Definitely loss of time in the office. Definitely loss of a lot of... Things I don't need in my life, but oh, yes. no, no loss of smell or taste. <laughs> no, so I actually had corona. You did? I lost my smell and taste. It was Sunday morning. I love my coffee. I am a, a big coffee guy. I have my Nespresso machine. Okay. I make it strong, and I pick up my cup of coffee, and I don't smell the coffee. I said, this is bad. What is the point of coffee without smell? <laughs> I taste it, no taste. I said, okay. Now, we'd already been quarantined. This was after Purim. Oh, okay. So I've been in quarantine probably for a week. Probably one of the poor parties. Everybody in Oak Park came down with it, pretty much. Uh, I've actually given, um, I have the antibodies. I gave plasma. Wow. They called me to come down again. I have to see if I have time. Because it's, it's a, I don't want to say, I want people to give. Very important. Yeah. Everyone, if you have the antibodies, it's not going to hurt you. You can only help someone. Give the plasma. But it takes an hour. And you have to go to their office. And you have to go home. It's it's you ever get blood? Long time ago. I don't I don't like needles though, honestly. You don't like needles. It's okay. This is also needles. I can't help you on this one. <laughs> but they want to get plasma out, so yeah. they don't want to just take a pint of blood. What they do is they take out some blood, filter it, put it back. So they've got some plasma. Oh, you get nervous already. <laughs> and they take out more. And again, so it takes an hour of just oh. back and forth. It's the machine. It's fine. You get a whole bag, a nice big. It's yellow. The plasma, by the way, it's a weird color. But um, now I can only come on Tuesdays. I have to see if I can get a Tuesday to, now I'm teaching and fundraising and stuff. And we're we're so busy with so much stuff. So So you lost your sense of smell. For a week. And that's how you you knew you had corona, usually. So you know what that teaches me? What does it teach you? Reach Milsahi. Yeah, see? Very good. Reich Milsahi. See, I have to explain what the guest says. Reich Milsahi means um, if, if we have foods in an oven, how powerful is the smell? That's the gist. You know, um, you, you may not know it by, you know, seeing is not believing. We do this all the time. We talk about it all the time. Seeing is not believing. You may look at Dan and you may say, what does he know? Let me tell you something. Dan here is studying in Israel and he decided he can't just learn like a tractate or two. Right? <laughs> How much did you have to learn when you were there? I learned probably about 1,400 daf. 14, that's 1,400 double-side pages. Yeah. And he probably remembers it better than I remember. And I've gone through the whole thing a couple times. So, yeah, that's the way it goes. Some of us are smarter, some so 
Remember, seeing is never believing. First, you got to talk to the person, get to know the person. And um, so just curious, once you told me you were in Israel, you were in Aisha Torah many years ago. I don't know how many. I went there in 2006. Okay, and then I, I, actually, I actually studied in a, a, a yeshiva called Hechel Aryeh, which was a Shas program. We were, all we did was Mishnayis, Shas Mishnayis, which I went through. And then we did uh, Gemara with a, an in, intense review program. Really? Yeah, we would we would learn a page and we would we would review it ten or fifteen times that day. Unbelievable! Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I, I don't want to say you were a beginner then or not. One of my children had a hard time, and I and I say with a lot of my children, if they can handle me, you know, if they don't get nervous that I study with them. I had one boy who I just made him nervous. Yeah. So we just hired a tutor. It just wasn't working. But most of my boys can handle me. Okay. So um, he was having a hard time being able to read the Talmud. It's in Aramaic, and there's, and there's, no, there's no commas, there's no grammar, there's no little dots so you had to read the word. So you got a lot of things you're up No against. hyperlinks either. Yeah, no hyperlinks. You no videos. Right, no videos. <laughs> it's, just, it's the old print, which I tell you. So someone had taught me, just make him read it over and over and 100%. over. 100%. And it was unbelievable. 100%. So he reads the first time. Now, you have to be the personality. You do. To be able to keep reading. Yep. Because it's the same stuff and it could be frustrating. And, you know, six months in, it was used to be an automatic, four times each one. Yep. And then as the year went on, he got so much better at it. And he is so comfortable. He's, in, he's the one in Israel. He's in Mir. He was quarantined. But oh. he's a trooper. Because to go to Israel, you have to be quarantined to go to school. They put you in pods. He was in, I can tell you later. He was in a, 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 must be a hotel in En Gedi. I don't know what it is. It's a three-story buildings, a campus. There were two bunk beds, um, two tables, your bathroom and shower, and your porch. He said he couldn't go on the porch. It was too hot. It was 110 yeah, degrees. Yeah. So you're coped up for two weeks. Yeah. They did it. They got through it. Now they're, now they're back in yeshiva. And the, the, the base mattress is partitioned off. Yeah. It is wild. So he's going to have memories. Oh, I'm sure. What are your memories? What are my memories? Well, first of all, I want to touch on something that you mentioned. I, I totally agree. If somebody has the personality, whether one is good at it or, or not good at it, just doing something, there's a virtue in doing. There's a virtue in action. And I found that that's not just the case with, with Talmud, with Gemara, with any skill. Whether you know, I'm a musician, I play guitar. Really? With guitar, with, with real estate, with learning something, keep acting, keep moving. Even if it doesn't feel right, go over it. If you do it enough times, there's a guy I really love by the name of Kelly Starrett. He's a, a PhD, and he's, he's really into exercise physiology. And he says, practice makes permanent. Oh, what an interesting word. Yeah, practice makes permanent. I'm busy teaching my kids perfect practice. No such thing. Forget perfect practice. Yeah, yeah. Practice makes it gets them out. Amazing. That yeah, is such yeah, a yeah, good line. Yeah. Okay, but so, now I'm going back. I yeah. want to know what, what kind of memories. And I was, uh, my memories are, you know, whatever, normal. I, you whatever. said En Gedi and, and Dead, Dead Sea. I remember we used to leave um, in the evenings. Not in the evenings. We would take a day off from Yeshiva, myself and some of the other guys that I would study with, and we would ride our bikes from Harnof to the Dead Sea. Oh, this is not my style. Oh, it's How amazing. many miles is that? I don't even know, but it would. It, it's all downhill. There's two hills going up. And once you get... I don't know where it is, but you make this turn. It's like by, by um, they have that sign. It's so ironic. The sign for, Mo, for Moshe's Kever. For the, the <laughs> okay, gra- yeah. yeah, which is ironic, right? <laughs> right. And you turn, and all of a sudden it just opens up, and you see the beautiful you know, facade in front of you. And you get down to the Dead Sea. You go in the Dead Sea. You, maybe you go to En Gedi, like you had said. Right. And then, of course, you take the bus back. Because course, yeah, I was going to. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we always about going up to Jerusalem. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's the hill. So you went down. That is amazing. In it my life, it never would have occurred to me. Oh, so much fun. To, to just go to bike all the way to the Dead Sea. I went in the Dead Sea once. Really? You know, I it was cool. It because cool. you can't really sink, but... Okay, I get out, I'm all slimy. <laughs> what do I need this for? Right. So I did it, like all things. Yeah. My wife is very good at that. I, I convinced her to try something. We'll do something. It's exciting. She'll mm-hmm. do it once. And say, okay, been there, done that. Like, now what? Mm-hmm. Like, like this time I took them all up north. Okay. It was because I had six kids home. Yeah. So Here and, locally. I mean, the one from Israel no, was No, I'm saying back. you went up north in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, up Where'd north you Michigan. Go? So we went, we were in St. Ignace, right above Mackinac Island. Yeah, I just was in Mackinac Island uh, two weeks ago, three weeks, four weeks ago. You I were right there for a conference. No, I was there. We went to the Grand Hotel. We went to um, Petoskey. It was packed. Really? Packed, yeah. So we went. No, I, wanted, I didn't want nothing to do. I did tourist stuff. Yeah. But I didn't want to go to Mackinac Island. So I went right above it. Okay. We did the Quamina Falls. Oh, very nice. So I kid in my classes. Oh, so you walked from one to the other? I said, no, no, no. We drove. <laughs> You, you, you walk 200 steps, you see one, okay, guys, get in the car, go to the exactly. next one. There is a, a bear farm. Oswald, you never saw this? Never heard of it. You got to take the kids there. This is the coolest. Yeah. It's about a half an hour from Tequamina Falls, depending where you're staying. It's south of it. So they rescue bears. Okay. So you go in. It, it costs more money to go to this bear park for an hour than Tequamina Falls, which was gorgeous. So um, you go in, you pay your 20 bucks to get in. They'll let you take pictures for $10. So you go into this cage. There's three beers, well, one at a time, under 50 pounds each. They have this huge jar of jelly with a paintbrush. And you give one of the kids a paintbrush, and the bear is licking away, sits on, the, on, on a pedestal. No kidding. And the family stands around it, and they take pictures. That, I think, for my kids was a highlight. Oh, my god! A highlight. That's amazing. You walk around, and they said, you know, it, these, they're all rescued bears. They rescue there. The males in one place, females in another place. Um, we did Pictured Rock, which is beautiful. Yeah, you I have heard. to take one of those uh, boats. Yeah. If you're a photographer, the people fight for the, um, for the sunset cruise. I'm not a photographer. I didn't fight for anything. Uh, we went to Shipwreck Museum, okay. which was not worth it. But interesting enough, my nine-year-old loved it. He, he saw all these models of boats. For him, it wasn't. We, we waited in Lake Michigan, and we did. I wanted to do the Sulaks because I thought that was cool. That is cool. That was fine. And, um, and we had a lake. We made bonfires every night. Like, you know, if you go here, you buy firewood. Yeah. It's like five bucks for yeah, a Yeah, for thing. a couple pieces. For five bucks, the neighbor up north gave me a wheelbarrow. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I had enough wood. We just used it. Like, That's great. what are you supposed to do? Okay, yeah, but you still didn't tell me any. Oh, that's your memory. So that's that's one. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another you one great more. one. We we would, to our credit, we were studying pretty hard when I was in Israel, and we were in it, and we had a group, a great group of guys. You know, you, in the previous show, Rabbi, you told the story about a minion. Yeah, sure. We had pretty much a minion of men that were we were studying, and we would do it day and night. We loved it. So we didn't really have time to see Eretz Israel, to see the land of, of Israel. So what I would do is every, pretty much every Friday, I would arrange a little tiul, a trip for the guys from my group and also from Asia Torah and other places. And we would go visit different settlements or different communities all throughout Israel. Cool. So we were able to learn during the week. And then Shabbat, where we'd be resting anyway, we were able to get there beforehand to another place and hang out and see another cool place. One of the, one of the most interesting places I went to was um, Kfar Tapuach. I don't even know if it existed in my days, but go ahead. So Kfar Tapuach is, I don't even know where it is. It's on a certain junction in Israel. It was actually, I believe, um, a settlement that was 
the remnants of um, during the what was it called the JDL, the uh, the Jewish Defense. Oh, what right, was oh. the um, oh, it's the, the you me. mean the Irgun or the? There was another one later that would tra- actually they trained dogs, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, they train. They still do that there. So they had a settlement that was the main settlement, and then they had a caravan that was outside of the of the um, the community. And we would walk on Friday night once the sunset came. We had no idea where we were going to stay. This guy said, just bring me 10 guys because they didn't, I don't even think they had a minion in that part of the village. I brought 10 guys. We were sleeping in like what was like a barracks. We literally heard gunfire in the middle of the night. <laughs> Friday night, the sun, it's almost sundown. He says, guys, time to go. We get up. We start walking to the caravan. We get into this caravan, and it was a synagogue. It was a shul that they, that they had made because they wanted, if they had a shul there, then they could have a community. And we cool. went there, and I, I actually believe I davened for, I, I prayed, and I sang L'cha Dodi as the sun was going down in the middle of, you know, the, 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 the shachim, the, you know, in the middle right, of, right. Uh, and, and it was just, it was incredible to be somewhere with people I never knew who were there from every other place in the world. These people who had lived, were living in Israel were not native Israelis. They had all returned to Israel. And we all were there together holding hands and dancing and just, I'll never forget it. That is wild. See, that's a great memory. That's a great memory. That yeah. is Thank you wild. for reminding me. Yeah. That is wild. See, and my memory is that when I went to Masada and we went to sleep and a group of kids came up and we couldn't sleep because they're seeing, oh, look, the shooting star when I'm trying to sleep. You know? <laughs> so we all, but that, that is really yeah, a great memory. Yeah, that was memory. cool. So let's talk more memories Okay. once we're going down memory lane. We'll go a little further back. Um, so you told me when we talked months ago. Pre-corona, I believe. Pre-corona. Um, yeah, things have happened since then. But you told me you had a lot of stories about your grandparents. Your grandparents are survivors? They are. Right? All four of them, yep. All four of your grandparents. I'm actually first-generation American, believe it or not, technically. My parents were born in refugee camps. Yeah, would you believe I'm third- and fourth-generation American? How can you be both? Oh, from one and side It depends on which side. Now, okay. It's very confusing. There were great-grandparents that came over, yeah. had kids, and actually went back and left their kids behind. All my grandparents, I believe, were born here. So okay. I tell people, I always say the story in school, they would, in, in New York, a melting pot, so who's first generation, who's second generation, and I'm sitting there, come on, third generation, come on. It was not in the syllabus to ask that question. <laughs> so I'm a Yankee doodle dandy, but you are first generation. Technically, yeah. So my, 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 my grandparents, I had four, four grandparents, obviously, and my grandfathers, I never met them. They were, they were much older. My, my father's father, uh, you know, a blessed memory, he was born in 1904. And he survived the, the Holocaust. He was married and had children and a whole family. Everyone, unfortunately, was, was killed. Wow. He remarried, and my father was born in West Germany in a refugee camp. In a refugee camp. My mother, same thing. Her father had a whole family with children, everything. Everyone was what, perished except for him. He remarried. My mother was born in a refugee camp in Italy. Wow. She actually, believe it or not, was on the same boat over with Dr. Maury Ellenberg. Really? Yep, yep, yep. And my bubby is still alive and well, living out here in West Bloomfield, 96 years old, Kanainahara. Wow, yeah. amazing. Healthy, well, everything. If she's listening, I love you, bubby. She's amazing. Wow, so do, do you ever ask them what it was like? Do they remember? Well, my, my parents don't because they were young, but my, my dad tells me, my dad's a World War II history buff. So he tells me tons of stories from his, his father and then from his, his mother. I never met his father. My bubby doesn't talk too much about it. In he, when I was in Hebrew school, I had her come and speak, and it was, it was honestly it was a bit of a mistake because it was very traumatic, you know what I mean, to bring right, that up. Right, So for us, it wasn't really talked much about, but I know that my parents and my grandparents took great pride in what they went through. And I know that my dad, tell, the, the, the images that I have of my Zadie, of my dad's dad, are 
They're pretty incredible, even though I never met him. Okay, go ahead. Paint me a picture. So he was an orphan from World War One. Okay. His his father never came back from the war, and his mother died when he was like maybe fourteen years old. Now he did he fight like on the German side? Like he had a lot of Jews well, fighting on both sides. That's he was in world in World War Two. He fought for the Polish army. In World War Two. Okay. In World War One, he was orphaned from the war because he was young. He was he was born in nineteen oh four. Right. No, I'm talking about the. You know, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. See, unfortunately, our history just kind of stops there. Right. So amazing. we don't really know. But my, my, my vision of him is, first of all, I see I can see, I'll never forget the picture that's hanging in my dad's office to this day with my Zadie there with his, you know, st- sitting there with no smile, you know, with the watch and the tattoo on the arm from the, the concentration right. camps. And he just, I mean, to survive forced labor in the coal mines for five years, to survive Auschwitz, to... The, the, the story my dad tells me is that when he was liberated from Auschwitz, he said people were dying left and right because the Americans were feeding them. Right, right. And he had to have the peace of mind after going through— To know that you, you can't know, handle real food. And, and to, to know that and to sit there with the self-control to say, oh, today I'm going to have water. Tomorrow I'm going to have water with maybe a little boiled potato, the essence of it. The next day I'll have a little— be- Unbelievable, right? There is a Gemara like that. A hundred percent there right? is. That's, you know, the Ritzalik, the, the, he fasted for yep. what it was, 40 years, and they asked for a doctor because when you don't eat for so long, your body cannot handle. hundred percent. Wow. I, I mean, learned something, by the way, after doing 1400 Blatt, that there's a Gemara for pretty much everything. Right, and when you do the other 1400, <laughs> you'll find out anything you're not sure about is also there. Yeah, 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 that's funny. Right, that's so funny. you're 1400 down, it's about 1300 left. So you're more than halfway. It's, they're doing it now. Might as well finish, right? Everything's online now. You don't even have to go to a that's lecture. Um, I have a, a brother in law that he listens to, I don't even remember which, which podcast it is. Yeah. There's, so, er, er, there's so many that You know, we there. had one called GamaraMarkings.com. I actually was really active in the system. And it was a system that superimposed symbols and shapes and different geometric patterns on top of the Vilna Daf to help people see the structure of the Gamara. I used it exclusively in my learning. Really? I'll show it to you. It's amazing. I I'm a visual this. guy. And when you have something that's, like like you had said, there's no commas, there's no periods. All there are is funky Tetris shapes, if right, you will. Right, right. So when you, when, when you see that there's an Amr Rabba and there are, or, or, you know, a Bai Omer, and there's a specific shape that shows you that this is a sugya that's continuing, and this is the next right. point, and the next point, and the next point, it, to me, it was really helpful. I'm a visual guy, so I love that. And I... I, I still, to the, if I would ever study a page, I would definitely use that system. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, and I think I'm much more verbal. I mean, I'm a teacher, so... You seem they, like it. Yeah, they, they tell me... I mean, one of the things that I've worked on over the years is to put everything on the board. And I, was, okay. I would watch someone teach, and they're, like, writing out the whole conversation. I'm saying, hello, you, you told me the conversation. Why, why are you rewriting this? But, but one of the things I've learned... Over the years, and, and dealing with students and, and children, is there's, there's, a, there's just so many different methods. 100%. And we try to get them all in. And believe it or not, I'm a, cause, because I'm a, ver- I'm a verbal guy, so um, I, I use puppets because it's more talking. That's great. And it's wild. And I have so much fun with it, and the kids love it. And um, and they laugh at all my jokes. What, what grade? What grades are you teaching? I teach third grade. Okay, I've been, that makes I've total been sense. teaching third grade boys. I would say forever. It's not forever, but twenty five years. Wow, that's great. a long time. And and the oh, you know, what happens is the older kids will ask the younger brothers, "Oh, did he say this joke? Oh, did he do that joke?" 
Because, hey, I can use the same material. Humor is the universal language, too. I love that, especially with children. It's amazing. I told a joke. Here's a bubby joke for you. I told it in class. But the reaction of the students was the funniest. So a grandmother calls her grandson and says, okay, you know, Yankel, when you come to the apartment, so use your elbow and you'll, you'll, you'll hit the buzzer and I'll buzz you in. And you go in, you get to the elevator and use your elbow to hit the buzzer. And you go to the elevator and you'll hit the number three and I'll buzz you in and, and you go up. And so the kid says, you know, okay, he shows up. So he says, Bubby, says, why did you tell me to use my elbow? I, I, I could, why my elbow? So she says, what, you're going to come empty-handed? So third graders react to that joke as follows. They say, oh, they have to explain it. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, his hands were full, so he had to use his elbow. Oh, I get it. That's, you know, that's what happens with, with yeah. third grade humor. That's funny. Um, any, other, any other story off the cuff? That, off the uh, cuff, yeah. I was in New York with my kids in New Jersey this last weekend. And we went to the, we had to come up with some impromptu trips. You know, I live here in Michigan. Right. And we actually took a boat to the Statue of Liberty. I did that. I had never been. Never. They had never been. And then the coolest thing was, yesterday I was on the phone with my bubby, and I told her what we did, and I, and she said, oh, you know, Danny, I've never I've never seen the Statue of Liberty. I said, how could that be? Exactly. I said, bubby, you've seen the Statue of Liberty. She said, I have. I said, what did you see when you came to America? She said. Oh, I've seen the Statue of Liberty. Is that and cool? it was Yeah, and I thought about it. I said, that was, how long ago was that? She came here in like 1948 or something like that. And now her great-grandkids are at the Statue of Liberty with her grandson. And in, 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 in the country where we can do, where we have freedoms that we could have never dreamt of. Never. Never. Never An dreamt. opportunity that we, we could have never dreamt of. You talk about dreaming. I, I read it was just a beautiful email. So I, I just told you my son is in Mir and he was, he was quarantined. So they sent an email, beautiful email, that whoever is writing the email said, he asked one of the teachers, he said, can you imagine a year ago if you would have said to boys, guys, if you want to study here, um, you have to be quarantined, four guys, for two weeks, in the middle of the desert, um, you can't leave your room, we're going to deliver food, and if you do that for two weeks, we'll let you come study. No. And they say, are you crazy? Right. And they, and they did it. But look at, look at the opportunity now. Look at the, I look at the situations that I'm in, the people that I meet, that I would not have encountered, that I wouldn't be connected with. The barriers to entry for connection today have dropped, I, I believe. That's really? my, 100%. Because now all I have to do, especially I'm very active on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I send somebody a message or they send me a message or I do a pod. I, do, I speak on podcasts two or three times a week. Really? Yeah, I and it's, it's amazing. I love it. And inevitably, somebody reaches out. We start connecting. We start talking. Let's schedule a phone call. We schedule a call. Maybe we do Zoom. Maybe we meet. But that wouldn't have happened before. Now, if I want to connect with somebody and talk to somebody, it's as simple as picking up the phone, which is all we had to do before. But nobody picked up the phone. Because they, people are, oh, I don't need to pick up the phone. I'm busy. I'm meeting. I'm running around. Now you're not busy. You're not running around. Things aren't open. You're not really traveling, right? Most people aren't. Right. So what do you do? You pick up the phone. Or you, you see somebody. Or you do a Zoom. Or you have face-to-face. So I think it's kind of an interesting return, a back-to-basics movement that I think is better for us in a certain sense. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Like, if you only knew how much stuff is on my piece of paper, and I think I did like three out of like, forget about it. All right, it. so pick the, the next best one. Actually, I figure I got, you have about a not even a minute and a half. Oh. But you've been in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, we talked, we talked Israel, we talked yeah. your grandparents a little bit. 
Um, I know you were in, involved in fundraising in Detroit and in uh, Beis Yehuda. I'm allowed to say that. Uh, it doesn't matter. No one will know. I mean, or maybe they will. Maybe they will. it doesn't matter. Give me a good memory of Detroit. Good You've memory been of Detroit. Detroit? For a while. Oh, I, I love Detroit. I'm born and raised in Detroit. I love it. Um, a good memory of Detroit. Man, I remember the 89-90 and 90-91 bad boys. Really? The Detroit Pistons. I remember watching Michael Jordan play at the Palace. I remember when we won the championships then and we won the championship, I think, in 05. I remember the camaraderie and, and the, the rallying that this city had around sports and around business. And, I, and you're seeing it again with, 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 the, with the renaissance that we're seeing in Detroit. To me, that was amazing. And, and I'm, I'm happy I'm proud to be part of this new Detroit renaissance. Cool. Why do I think I'm hearing my music? Am I hearing my music? I'm not hearing my music. I will in about 15. Now I'm hearing my music. I heard noise in the background. <laughs> Anyways, Dan, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. You owe me coffee anyways because oh. we have so much to talk about. We're going to do this again. I can't tell you when. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed meeting Dan. We had a lot of fun. We kept it short and sweet. Thank you, Wonder Response and listeners. Thank you to my production team. We got Kelsey in the back. Thank you. I got my thumbs up. Okay, hope I left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house.